0: Lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not
1: afraid to fall. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm Chantil. I'm Lindsay. And we thought it'd be kind of fun to do a little new thing before we start our interview. Um, just kind of, I don't know, something going on with us or something interesting. Um, so I was just going to talk about, so I don't know if if you've seen, saw on our, um, Instagram feed, Lindsay posted a picture of my son and I and our family, um, this week and we did a hydrocephalus walk. Yes. My son Peyton has hydrocephalus, which is like, um, water on your brain. As as an infant, he had meningitis, which caused this hydrocephalus and there's actually no cure for hydrocephalus. Um, The only kind of fix for it is a shunt and shunts usually sometimes can last, you know, I think the average is like five or so years, but a lot of times you're just constantly getting new shunts because you need to drain your spinal fluid. So um, we started participating in this walk probably about five or six years ago and got more involved with it. And it's a really cool event. and I think it means a lot to Peyton, to Peyton, yeah, yeah, and Lindsay and her family were so nice to come and join us, and it's yeah, just to we love supporting you guys. Yeah, it's awesome. But and we, Peyton, Peyton loves it. He looks forward to it every year, and it's it's different levels of hydrocephalus. You know, some kids are in wheelchairs, some kids have seizures, some adults can get it. I learned about a new kind. Oh, oh I should have looked what what it's called. So it actually in it it can just occur in an adult where your brain stops um, draining your spinal fluid but the symptoms are like alzheimers. Oh. And so you think they have alzheimers. Oh, but wow. then what's really crazy about it is if you catch it and take care of it, which is usually putting a shunt in, all the symptoms go away. Oh, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. I didn't know about crazy. it. There was a lady there. It was really interesting. She came to the walk and she was showing us how a shunt worked and you could hold it in your hand and and she was showing how it worked and explain this whole adult Hydrocephalus that I had wow. never heard of because I thought usually it's at birth or a tumor or a infection infection, um, but this was something that was later.
2: Yeah, wow, so, that's crazy. Anyway. Well, good that they can figure out what that is and treat yeah. it. And yeah, so yeah. it was a fun
1: event. We had some awesome family members come down to and show up and help. And um it's a fun event that we do every year. So
2: yeah, well, and I'm just so impressed. I mean you guys have been through a lot with that and Peyton's been through a lot and really he's just such a nice, good guy and has a great attitude and yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. It's fun to have that for him. I think it means a lot to him. Like it's, you know, a lot of people donate money or show up or, and so I think it means a lot to him that people can kind of understand what he's been through his whole life. And we are grateful for the shunts. I wish there was a cure, but two years ago he had to get both of his shunts replaced And they had lasted 18 years, which is kind of unheard of. So we were grateful they lasted so long. We're hoping these ones last another 18 years. Oh, yeah. That is long.
2: Well, yeah. That was really cool to go to that Saturday. So I'm grateful we could. And um, so mine's just little. We kind of thought, well, if we share something going on with us um, new, it could be something bigger. Like Chantel's, mine is just something little. Basically, I rediscovered the Huberman Lab podcast this week. Do you know that? I don't think I've ever listened to that one. Oh, you will like it. Okay. Yes. He's a neuroscientist or neurobiologist from Stanford University. He's a professor and he just shares about all kinds of things to do with like health and a lot's related to the brain. A lot crosses over to mental health. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I think, um, I listened to a few of his like in the past and now just the, this past week, I've been kind of like binging a few different ones. I just feel like like you learn a lot. And yeah. So I'll I just, thought that was that kind of out. a tip slash thing that I've been up to is binging Huberman lab podcast. <laughs> awesome, <Love laughs> So it. it's a, re- it's a recommendation, but sweet, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. So, so our interview today is with Cindy Chia and she is a therapist here in Utah. And I, so we didn't know her at all. So I didn't have, I didn't really know what to expect, but I really enjoyed our interview with her.
2: Yeah. She was awesome. And she lives nearby us. She's in daybreak and yeah, we really liked it. She talks a lot about, well, the main focus of, of the interview was kind of like healing trauma and which I feel like is such a big topic lately, Mm -hmm. like that we're hearing about. And it's so important to understand like, you know, whether it's, I think she called it like a big T trauma, like a big traumatic thing that maybe happened in, in your life or, some of those smaller traumatic things that is, you know, difficult, but the more that you face it and try to heal it, like you're not going to repeat patterns, right? You know, you're going to, um, be able to have a healthier life. So anyway, we love talking with her and she had a really interesting story too.
1: Like, um, Very diverse I loved, life. Yes, like I love the diversity. Yeah, yeah. She lived in Malaysia and then was Australia or New Zealand? Yeah. I
2: think she went, th- Ooh, I think it was Australia, Australia and then college, like Oklahoma of mm-hmm. all places. And then to Utah so. ended up here. Yeah. So it was neat to kind of get. A different perspective that way of someone. Yeah. Like her culture Mm -hmm. and her
1: growing up and right. And she
2: talks about how kind of like her Asian culture, um, was part of her story as well. So I really liked it a lot. So thank you so much, Cindy, for being on. We love chatting with you and getting to know you better. And yeah, Yeah. we're excited for you guys to hear it. So So enjoy. (laughs)
1: Yes. All right. Welcome to our podcast today. We're excited to talk with Cindy Chia. Hi, Cindy.
3: Yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you guys today?
1: You're Good. great. We're excited to talk to
2: you. Yes. So excited. Good. Good. Me too. All right. I'm going to read a little bio from Cindy and then we'll hop into her story. So Cindy Chia comes from a multicultural background of being born and raised in Malaysia, went to college in Australia, and now is a practicing therapist in the United States. She founded Aspire Psychological, an award-winning mental health private practice in Utah. And it's right here in Riverton, which is where we're located. So it's kind (laughs) of cool. She specializes in addressing a wide range of concerns, including depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, relational difficulties, LGBTQ issues, and more. And if you follow her on Instagram, she says she she is a trauma therapist with a non-BS approach to healing, which I I loved. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she's actually a lot of fun to follow, has some awesome videos and clips and helpful tips. So I've really loved... Just kind of getting to know your personality through social media and the helpful things you have to share. So,
3: yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun to be authentic on social media. I feel like sometimes we uh, put up, I, I feel like a lot of people just put up a front a little bit, um, which is, you know, rightfully so because it's difficult to. divulge everything or your life on social media right Mm -hmm. um there's so many judgmental judgmental people out there so uh but i think being authentic on social media can be very important and i think that's kind of where the non-bs approach Mm -hmm. comes from as well is that you know we just want to be transparent and honest with our approach in therapy but also in life so i'm glad you enjoy my content thank you for following yeah that's great yeah
2: definitely so i'd recommend
1: anyone to go follow her but we'll share that a little bit more in depth as we go. So awesome. Well, maybe yeah. you could give us, I mean, that's quite the Bach bo- background. Um, yes. it sounds very <laughs> just awesome and exciting and just different than, um, a lot of our guests, I mean, our um, listeners. So maybe share a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, your time in Malaysia and Australia and some of about you, yeah. your background and hobbies and
3: yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I was born and raised in Malaysia. I left Malaysia when I was about 17 or 18 to pursue my undergrad in Australia. Um, Uh, When, you know, when I told my family that I wanted to pursue psychology, I got a lot of pushbacks because, you know, back then, but also kind of now, but they're better now. um, Psychology or mental health is such a taboo uh, topic um, in the Asian culture it is perceived as a dead-end job. So, oh, wow. you know, my parents, my parents were actually really supportive, but I think my relatives was kind of like, oh, do you really want to go into that? You won't have a job. Yeah. You know, like you you will be um, working with crazy people. That's kind of <laughs> like their, yeah. their assumption, you know? Mm. Um, so I really wanted to, because I can't imagine doing anything else. And also how I got into being a therapist also is just growing up in a household, in a culture that, Felt very repressed, like emotions and feelings are not, um, you know, almost non-existent, or you're not allowed to feel or have feelings. Um, so I really wanted to to break that taboo, to break that cycle. Um, that's how I came about uh, in pursuing psychology. Uh, my time was uh, my time in Australia was really fun. I made a lot of great friends. Um, unfortunately, at that time, about twelve years ago now, um, there was a lot of racism against. Asians. um, Unfortunately, we will be like walking down the street and people will throw water bottles at us or eggs and things like that. So it was very eye opening. And it was also very depressing at the same time because you know, you moved, you uproot your life and move to a different country and people treat you that way. So uh, that was pretty traumatic for me. I spent about four years there for my undergrad and I got Uh, study abroad scholarship to the U.S. uh, and I picked Oklahoma. I know everyone (laughs) came asking why Oklahoma? Yeah, why Oklahoma? (laughs) Yeah, why Oklahoma? Uh, Well, when I went to Australia, I didn't know anybody there. So I didn't want to make that mistake again because I felt so depressed at that time. Um, Although friends were great, but the experience made it uh, difficult to really enjoy my time. So uh, I learned my lesson. Um, I have a cousin in Oklahoma at that time. So I was like, let's go to somewhere where there's actually family who can give support. Um, and I did. And, you know, uh, we didn't see each other because she, she was living in the U.S. for a long time. And back then, you know, airfare are so expensive. And, you know, international phone calls are so expensive right. back yeah. then. Um, so we didn't, we weren't in touch for like ten plus years. But when we, when I got there, we just reconnected, and it was great. She was a great support for me. Um, but uh, yeah, and then my time in Oklahoma was so great. I, I remember just landed in the U.S. and you know jet lag. So my cousin brought me to TJ Maxx. Never yeah. had a TJ Maxx experience before. So cheap and so amazing. Yeah. yeah. But the the best experience I had was a white lady. We got a cart, uh, me and that white lady did. And then she was like, oh, you go first. am like, what? Oh, wow. You yeah. saw me? Like, I know that's so common mm. for everyone. Like that shouldn't be a thing, but it was for me. Wow. Um, so I would say like. It's a good welcoming, I mean, yeah, for you. <laughs> yes, I feel so welcoming. So I love it here. Um, Utah's a bit different, but I do love this country. And I love, I love that I'm able to practice here now and, you know, hopefully, making a difference for the Asian community as well,
0: yeah.
3: um, and that's kind of like my goal: uh, pioneering Asian mental health for our people. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's I love awesome. that. I'm glad you had some family. That's yeah, was yeah. very smart idea <laughs> of you to start that way. That's some support. Yeah, so that's what, why Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, what led you to come to Utah?
3: Yeah, um, my then husband was from Utah, so I moved. We moved here to be closer to his family. Uh, we're divorced now, but I, you know, build a life here and we have a daughter together. So I guess we'll stay here. We're, we're going to be here for a while. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, when you would,
2: was your undergrad in Australia and then your, um, your master's degree, is that what you did in Oklahoma? Okay. Yeah.
3: So I did a study abroad, undergrad study abroad in Oklahoma and then, uh, a residency in Harvard and then back to Oklahoma again for my master's.
2: Yeah. oh cool okay and then That's your awesome. degree is it clinical mental health counselor uh,
3: master's in counseling psychology
2: oh counseling psychology okay
1: yeah maybe you could go back just a little i'm just curious about growing up in malaysia maybe a little bit your fam- family dynamics um maybe your hobbies yeah. there and the culture there i don't know what much it, about malaysia yeah
2: what stands out i mean yeah yeah I, I doubt us or many of our listeners have ever even been there so i love learning about yeah, new cultures, cultures and places mm-hmm. yeah
3: I would love to share also. So do I just go? <laughs> yeah. And just say, okay, perfect. Yeah. So my childhood in Malaysia was fun, I would say. Um, we came from a lower middle class, um, family my parents worked a lot I remember seeing my parents just work all day every day seven days a week mm. um, if they're not working their full-time jobs they were working their part-time jobs so we were struggling financially but we've never gone without like you know it's just enough and they were really good about savings as well I'm very thankful for that because that really helped with college mm. tuition fees and all that um, I went to a public school so in the public schools the instruction. So the national language is Malay. Um, so the instructions in Malay. So it was very difficult for me to transition even from Malay, like learning everything in Malay to learning everything in English. Oh, wow. Um, so So, like English was like a language class, kind of like a Spanish class here, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, learning another language. But um, we were very fortunate, obviously, with media. There's so many American movies and American songs. So, uh, I watch, I remember just watching American movies with subtitles going up. um, And I can't get rid of them now because I'm so (laughs) used to it. Even though I speak fluent English, I just can't get rid of them now. And songs. I remember having a cassette player and just pause it and rewind just to learn the words mm-hmm. and looking at the words in on a dictionary. So that's kind of how we learn English. Uh, but most people now over there speak English. Uh, at that time, I think it was easy also because I was surrounding myself surrounded myself with friends who also was very curious and wanted to learn English. So we just you know speak English all uh, most days. Um, so I speak about three main languages three main languages and about five uh like dialects and stuff oh wow so there's the chinese we speak chinese mandarin at home my mom and dad steel Teochew, which is a different uh chinese language and then me and my cousin speak Hokkien, which is also another chinese wow. language wow. so i know, I know it's kind of like you just have to switch all the <laughs> time which was so normal to us but I guess when I came here and when I switched I people feel like oh wow like you can just do that um so which is you know I'm grateful that I was able to to grow up with that um food's amazing I don't know if you guys are foodie I am Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh I just love food uh to eat so we have really amazing food there if you like rice and noodle dishes so they have so good and so cheap too. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you're not very familiar with our currency, so one dollar here is about four ringgit and fifty cents over there, and for four ringgit and fifty cents, you can get like an entree. Oh, wow. that is cheap. Yeah, wow, yeah, that is cheap. So you should, you can go there. I and... want to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just eat out. all the yummy and food. Still, like there's no inflation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um Let's see, what else? Um, Friends. When friends were great, I feel like I I still keep in touch with my childhood friends. It's really, it's funny because we all grew up together, and it's hard to find that tribe elsewhere, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It's just different when you go out with somebody, uh, with a group of people, it's just different. Um, So I do go home once or twice a year. It's pretty far. It's about 30, 35 hours flying time. Yeah, it's really far. Um, But we try to go home because I have a daughter, and I really want her to you know get to know my hometown and stuff but if you ask her she would rather live there too she loves it there oh, she loves the awesome. food she loves the people yeah, she loves the weather so it's tropical uh, oh, so it's hot and humid okay. all year round a
1: little um, different than Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for
3: sure very different yeah so whenever my parents come they're like oh, oh so. <laughs> how old is your daughter <laughs> my daughter's four turning five in a couple of weeks yeah Cute. that's
2: awesome
3: um Let's see what else. Uh, my household's pretty. No, I would say pretty normal. My dad was pretty abusive um, growing up with my mom and myself, um, and I'm gonna go a little bit into that too about my healing journey and how I yeah. got here. Uh, we have been repairing our relationship for a few years now, yeah. um, and I'm happy to say that we got reconnected through our own healing journeys, and okay. they're actually coming. Well, I'm flying. I fly them in also every. Uh, once every year so they're actually coming in next week so I'm excited that's awesome yeah it's really nice um yeah what else do you want to know about Malaysia or my life
2: (laughs) no that's super interesting I thought it was interesting how you explained you know then you went to Australia and coming from Australia Mm -hmm. to the U.S. so did you you mentioned the racism that you experienced in Australia did you feel like it was better in the U.S. or was that Oklahoma I mean I, I hope Even it occurred. was. Even yeah. like
1: you're saying, Oklahoma is so different than Utah yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about how that works into your story.
3: Yeah. So, um, so with that such a I feel like that was an extreme racism for me i 'm sure a lot of people have you know experienced worse, but right. it was really bad for me at that time, very traumatizing. But when I came here, it was very different. I feel like and I might be wrong, but I feel like the racism here or discrimination here is not necessarily towards Asians, mm. um, it 's towards you know other other race groups which you know, which is unfortunate, but at the same time, it also kind of helped me recover from my own trauma. you know uh, uh, racism against Asians you know that I went through Um, I would also say that because Asia is so close to Australia we had a lot of you know migration from Asia to Australia so that kind of kind of like Mexico Mm, to the US so we're always perceived as you know people who don't you know Asians don't speak English or they steal our jobs or Asians Mm. steal their jobs and yeah that kind of narrative that I feel like Americans Have towards mexicans so which is unfortunate that this is also happening here but not towards asians um Mm. i would say the racism here that i experience is much 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 more um discreet Mm. like more of like because I'm a maybe an Asian woman, people don't really respect my opinion that much, or people just assume that I don't know much. Or oh, people assume that I don't speak English, and they will speak like really slow and loud, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is very difficult too. But um, so far, yeah. I've had a good experience here. I that's why I feel like I can live here and build a life here. Okay, oh, yeah, that's good. yeah, that is yeah. good. And I like how
2: you explained that the parallels between you know, Asians to Australia and Mexicans to the US. I think that's important to remember. And yeah. Just hearing that experience from you, yeah. you
1: know, for all of us to just yeah. keep in mind that and we had know. um our guest Marina that had lived like in oh yeah. Um in Paris and over in Europe in a little Japan. bit. Yeah. And in Japan, so, she went to high school there. She mentioned like she never knew what it felt like to be a minority ever because she just grew up in uh, um, she was a white woman in California. And then she went over there yeah, and she's yeah. like, Oh, now I know how it feels You know, because I think a lot of us in America just don't, we can't relate because we have never been there. We can try to listen to a story and try to listen and try to understand, but, um, so it's good to hear different stories and perspectives that you don't really even, you know, think about because it's not part of your story. Right.
2: And if we don't hear others' experiences, how do we even begin to understand or relate? So that's what I've loved about a a big part of this podcast is just hearing other people's experiences. We get to get a little glimpse into what other people's lives are like, so... Yeah. yeah, thanks for sharing yeah.
3: And thank you for allowing that space too, because yeah. I know a lot of people feel uncomfortable when I talk about things like that. Um, so thank you for allowing that safe place for me to be able to be genuine about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's,
2: it's yeah, that's to, important to us to, huh? to listen to and learn. share. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well now I think we'd love to get into the transition that you know, what we thought would be part of, a big po- focus of this conversation is how you got to becoming a trauma healing therapist. And then like you mentioned your background mm-hmm. that led you to that. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So, um, so growing up, I felt very voiceless. I uh, feel like my feelings and opinions never mattered. The only time when I felt hurt was when I was talking to my friends or sometimes with my mom, about like you know difficult things but even then it's pretty shallow it's like oh like oh you feel like this oh you feel bad or good it's always just bad or good mm-hmm. Black and, white. and yeah. then you just kind of yeah it's like not much vocabulary for your feelings mm-hmm. you know and it's difficult to process it when you don't or when you cannot identify your feelings um so so there's a limitation there and then you know, when you identify that at that time, it's it's always it always comes with like, oh, it's in the past. Like, just forget about it. It's over now. Like, you know, you can move on now. Um, or, you know, or, or very like minimizing, very dismissive, mm-hmm. very minimizing. So I I realize how <clears throat> depressing that was for me, and I I really I really think I shut down. I really think also that I was so depressed for a few years in my teenage years, just not feeling hurt and understood. Um, so with that, those kind of feelings, I really wanted to make a difference. And obviously at that time, I didn't know how much of an impact I could do, right? Like I think most of the time I just really want to do the work of helping other people, but also wanting to to rediscover myself because I never really had that opportunity to do that. Um, so I led into the psychology and not also, again, not really knowing, um, that you need a master's to be a practicing <laughs> therapist. Mm. So I was like, dang it, after the bachelor's degree, I'm, I thought I can you know, open my own practice. Yeah, exactly, but nope, you have to go move on and things like that, which was fine. I really enjoyed my time in college and I had such a great experience too. I would say in the US therapy world here is so, you guys have so much more resources than mm. a lot of other parts of the world um just because of the specialties the expertise that you guys have and you guys are pioneers in a lot of the mental health uh methods and tools so that's really cool to be able to do that here um, and to learn from what some of the best psychologists here have been such a privilege um so so when that happens obviously i was still also carrying my own childhood trauma with my dad and a little bit with my mom too my mom was a great mom um still a great mom She just used me as a therapist since, you know, I could talk or I could understand words. So I was very young then. I It was difficult to listen to everything, every trash that your mom has to say about your dad. Mm
1: -hmm. And then in
3: turn, she'll be like, oh, you still have to go love your your dad. So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of conflicting messages. Um, And it was very difficult for a child, obviously, um, let alone you know for adults but let alone a child to be to to need to process that for your parent um so you know fast forward to when i was about 20 something you know late 20s i felt like i could have a voice again that you know i i moved out from my house from my parents house and then move on to college and establish myself in my in the career and i felt like i could have voice again so I told my mom like hey you know we have to have a boundary like if you have anything bad to say about my dad I don't want to hear it Um, just because it's just bad for me because I'm trying to heal also from my dad but if you if I get it from both ends it's just so hard to heal Um, it took her a few years to actually hone down to that boundary but we're there now Uh, but with my dad our relationship changed about three years ago when they came for a visit, and the first night they got here, I just i don't know what got into me. we never did that, never did that, but I just poured out everything every single thing that he'd done to me and he's done to our family and you know surprisingly, he listened. I think he also did a lot of healing you know subtle healing uh with himself and allowed me to have that safe place to express myself. Uh, we cried, it was a crying fest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he apologized uh, about last year uh, or two years ago. And that I felt like was a beautiful closure because in the Asian culture too, you never you never say I love you. So my parents never have said I love you to me. You oh, just, wow. you know, you just know kind mm-hmm. of a deal. Um, and they never apologized to. So when he did, and he's such a prideful person. So when he did, I felt like that was a shift and that was a shift worth remembering and worth putting into into account of my healing journey. Um, so yeah, like, so throughout my healing journey as a therapist, you know, right? Like, oh, you're a therapist. You should know everything. <laughs> oh, you, you shouldn't have any problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no everything. problem. <laughs> Right, right, no, um, no, like that, that, I mean, that's far from the truth. So I, so throughout that, that whole process, I also had to like, really, you know, hone into my own tools and, and my own knowledge too to really do the thing, you know, do the work, do the hard work and go to my own therapist for my own therapy as well. Um, and that's when I created my course or my trauma course now. With, we use, you know, so everything that is on the trauma course has been, was implemented in my life, in my own healing journey. So I think that's why a lot of people find it pretty relatable, right? Like very bite-sized, relatable content and material that people could do on their own just to um, aid their own healing journey. Yeah. Um, so obviously I do that in my own therapy too. So that has been pretty successful, I think, in you know, trying, and that's across the culture, not just Asians. I think, I think, you know, at first I talk about like, you know, Asian focus, but this is more universal. Anyone can use it and um, can relate to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I feel like, I mean, it's one thing to come have someone be helping you that's educated, but then to have your own experience added upon your education to help others. That's, you know, invaluable because not everybody can connect that way without having trauma. So for you to have a type right. of trauma do your own healing have your education put that together i'm sure yeah. it's a very p- yeah. powerful program i was thinking
2: that too like you're going to have more empathy and i think that your clients will feel that just the understanding because you've
1: been through something similar right. so that's probably super right. helpful yeah yeah and i'm yeah, yeah. And it's good to hear that you've yeah are mending your relationship with your mom and your dad and you know i'm really commendable like you said if it's not if, if it's not part of their personality or their culture to say sorry that's a huge, I'm yeah. sure that's so huge for your yeah. dad and very, even saying he was prideful, you know, so all those things are kind of against him yet. he still apologized. Yeah, That has to be yeah. super healing. Yeah. And, but it's hard because oh. I know that some people go through trauma and different relationships, so they don't get that apology and you still have to try yeah. to heal without it. Um, I'm sure you have right. dealt yeah. with a lot of people like that, but that's, I'm yeah, that's really great to hear that your dad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like yeah. the part of the healing of the apology was him acknowledging that there was something to apologize for? Because I feel like trying to heal from trauma would be really difficult if they're not acknowledging that there was, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably a huge piece of it.
3: Yeah. I would also say that there was also a lot of gaslighting happening mm. for a lot of years before that happened. So I would say, yes, I think you're right though. Um, you know, a lot of people have, doesn't or never had that experience of uh, being apologized for. Right. And yeah. um, being apologized to yeah uh, for the trauma that it went through Um, but you know don't give up because we we don't need the apology necessarily I would say healing I would say focus the healing for us because when we heal that for us a lot of the burden is being let go also. So you live a fuller life. You live more more in peace. You live more in joy instead of um, feeling resentful or bitter. And that, you know, rightfully so. I feel like trauma is very difficult to process, and everyone processes it very differently. But just because you never had an apology, like, don't stop there, right? Like, keep going. Um, Because I also had a long year, long, long, long years of gaslighting. You know, my parents would say, oh, you know, they never said like that never happened, but they will say like, oh, it's so long ago. Like, why are you still thinking about it? Mm-hmm. Or like, you should have forgotten about it now. Just get over it. Your life is beautiful now. You moved out from your ha- from our house. Like, you should be grateful for the life that we've provided for you. So a yeah. lot of like just that gaslighting. Right, on yeah. it. Can you give us, and um, obviously-
1: sorry, really quick. I know that that's a a term yeah. I think more used in the last few years and I, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I totally understand the gaslighting, but do you want to like maybe just give us our Um, listeners like a description of what gaslighting is? Yeah.
3: That's a good idea. That's yeah. That's a good idea. Um, Gaslighting is when something happened and someone else dismissed that truth. So I get it. Every event, everyone has different perspectives about one event right so maybe you see the elephant more i saw the giraffe more uh but that does not mean that my truth is different from yours or that my truth is not a truth mm-hmm. um so gaslighting happens when you deny other people's truth just because you never saw it or you didn't see it that way mm-hmm. or you're just maybe just in denial mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so that's kind of i think what it's gaslighting yeah and i think
1: that's such a huge thing because i i think it's almost like a defense mechanism one is to be like uh-huh. i don't want to i don't want to like admit or acknowledge that this hurt this person so it's easier for me to say well I didn't see it like that or I don't know why you or this is such a why would you interpret it or like your family saying well it was in the past why does it matter now yeah and so it's a kind of yeah yeah, you're kind of dismissing it I think it's so important to acknowledge what it is and to realize because sometimes I don't think people even know what that means and they are easily gaslit where you're like oh yeah they're right I should have not felt that way, but they're your feelings. So they're real.
2: Yeah. Or you you can do it to people unknowingly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think it's just helpful because, um, I don't know. It's kind of like, just because you had your feelings and I didn't feel that way. doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid, you know, just or or your experience. Yeah. So I think Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, it's super helpful just to understand that concept because then on both ends of it, like we can be more more healthy in those
1: ways. Yeah. I think if we both, yeah, if we all understand what it means, we'll do it less and then we'll acknowledge people or, or or not be so hard on ourselves when we realize, Oh wait, my feelings are valid and real just because they don't see them that way.
2: Yeah. And I think like with healing, if you can recognize that you were gaslit, because, um, if you're in denial too, about what what happened to you, it's, I think it's a lot harder to heal because you're just like, well, wait, why do I feel this way? You almost put it on yourself. Like, Something's wrong with me. Something must yeah. be wrong with me. Yeah. So.
3: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, because I do see a lot of patients who come in, you know, for depression and anxiety or something vague like that. Um, but then when I assess them, I'm like, I think you have that. That was pretty traumatizing for you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, like it wasn't a you know it's not as bad as other people would have had it Mm. and I love that sense of compassion like oh you know I shouldn't complain because other people have had worse things happen to them I love that sense of compassion but also it's also okay to recognize that there are some things that are traumatic for us because when you don't recognize it we cannot heal from it right? right when you don't talk about it we also cannot heal from it. When you don't assess it, we don't know what the root of the problem is. So, thank you for saying that because I do see a lot of patients who gaslight themselves mm-hmm. or have been gaslighted to believe that their trauma wasn't a trauma. Right. So, yeah. oh my gosh.
1: That's, and I've heard that's that a lot. lot like, yeah. not it's not really healthy to compare traumas because what you're going through in the moment is yeah. hard. And of course, you know, yeah. there's always someone that's going to have it better or worse. It's just life. But yeah. that you need to, like, yeah. if you're going through something, don't dismiss it. Cause you're not going to heal. If you, like you said, like you said, well, mine's not that bad or not yeah. even knowing why yeah. they're depressed and anxiety. Cause they don't think theirs is valid. Yeah. And as they're talking, right. you're going, wait a right. minute, you have gone through trauma. We need to yeah. heal this. You
3: know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So yes, that, that is so yeah. Thank you for bringing that to light. Cause that's important to talk about.
2: Yeah. 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 And I was thinking, you know, in preparing for your interview and just thinking about our conversation, where it might go, I do. I think it's neat because I feel like trauma is being talked about way more in society lately. Like I think that's one of the gifts of social media Um, because we've talked about this a lot, too, on our podcast where it's like, oh, there's good things about social media and there's not such good things. But yeah, just information about, you know. Mental health and healing from trauma and stuff, I think, is so more readily available that like 10 years ago, all these terms would have been pretty foreign to us. But now yeah. we can yeah. understand what gaslighting is. We can understand everyone has their own types of trauma. Because I feel like when you used to hear the word trauma, it was like you would think of someone that's been like seriously, seriously abused as a child yeah. or like war veterans or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like people that have gone right. through like some violent, you know, combat or something like trauma in that way so anyway I love just bringing to light that like pretty much everyone I even saw a quote recently where it was like no one's gonna go through childhood without some kind of trauma I mean we also don't yeah. want to walk around be- Saying, feeling like oh, we're, we're all such we're victims, like victims at the same time so I'm sure there's right. you probably find as a therapist there's probably like this balance you know to to find with yeah. people with that
3: right yeah. yes yes and i think it's okay to acknowledge that we have trauma but never use it as an excuse to hurt other people Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. i feel like i feel like there's also a fine line right like oh i i don't know i hit you because my dad hit me <laughs> right. like no that's not okay um so as an adult we need to we, we are responsible to break that cycle and we're responsible to heal so we don't pass it on to our kids or you know. To spouses or friends and other relationships so yes I love that you brought that up mm-hmm. because it is a fine line to acknowledge it but also not to play victims yeah yeah
2: about it. I like that yeah. concept too of the cycle breaking I think that's it's just a helpful mm-hmm. also like a visual you can think about the cycle and if you break it the cycle is going to stop you know but it's not easily done all the time so you know yes
3: yes can I talk a little bit about the cycle breaking yeah yes, for sure know. yeah we would love that okay yeah, so I love that you brought up cycle breaking because it is, it's something that I, I preach about also on my social media. Um, a little bit of background. So my dad's dad was very abusive to his family. So then my dad saw that, I think, and thought like, I, I don't know what it is because when I talked to him, he understood that what his dad did was wrong, right? But he still is exactly his dad better you in a, in, a, in a few ways, but he's better, but at the same time he was still very abusive like his dad um so I ask him like why, why, why couldn't you recognize it and and change something about it but what again, guesslighting thing is that what's amazing is that he thought he did, and he did in some ways, uh, but I guess you know not enough to where it's like, you know, totally breaking the cycle. So he worked hard too um, for his, in his defense, he worked really hard to not be his dad and to treat, you know, my mom better or to treat his kids better. In, in hindsight, I think he did better than his dad, but, also, but not enough to where like it was meaningful or that it was impactful. Um, so again, like, I feel like Perspective again, like I felt like it wasn't enough, but for him, like he felt like it was good, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But so the cycle continued to him, Um, and then now, and then now it's up to me and my brother. Uh, My brother is not married and don't have kids, so um, he's kind of like cycle breaking through his relationships Mm -hmm. uh, with his partners and friends. But for me, I had to be very conscious with Maya, my daughter. Um, Because I do catch myself sometimes being more temperamental, like my dad, or raise my voice unnecessarily, or like when I'm feeling agitated. Um, I'm also very sensory sensitive with noise. So, you know, it doesn't help when you have a dog and a baby. Um, So it was difficult at first to really juggle or to manage my own emotions. So I would say even during my healing journey, I was also consciously trying to break that cycle to not pass it down to my daughter. Mm. That was a difficult one. It was difficult because I felt like as a parent, you know how people always say that, oh, you will understand more about your parents when you're a parent. Mm. I never did. Like when I became a parent, I actually was more resentful why my parents treated me like that or treated me and my brother like that. It was a, lo- a lot of like, why? You knew your dad sucked. Why did you continue yeah. to suck? You know? Yeah. Um, so during my healing journey, I had to be very conscious of that. And and I love it because I could catch myself most of the time. And my boyfriend now also is so patient and also can call me out, which I love, Um I, I would say I'm it's, I'm still a work in progress, but I would say I am consciously breaking the cycle for my daughter, and I hope she sees it. And I, it's also very heartwarming to see that my dad has an amazing relationship with my daughter now, and that every everyone in my daughter's life family is pretty quality. I would say mm. like. I can, can probably say like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like we all have worked so hard to provide, to be the best version of ourselves for my daughter. And that in itself, I feel like it's worth I, it's worth it for me to break that cycle and to do this healing journey for myself. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah, awesome. that's really
2: neat. And I was just thinking about, you know, from your dad's perspective, like, you know, I've heard a lot we're often, um, inclined to parent the way that we were parented. And so a lot of these things just come about, like he should have known, he didn't want to be treated like that as a, as a child and he, but at the same time, he didn't really know any different, you know? And so I think it probably helps us to, to have more compassion. And I'm sure, you know, you've gone down that road and everything already, but I think it's interesting to acknowledge that, but what's so powerful about what you're doing is you you are acknowledging it. So that's where the cycles probably truly get broken. It's hard to acknowledge, but think like, you know, I mean, if you wouldn't have gone into this work and, and even addressed the things with your parents, like most likely the cycle would continue because you were parented the way that he parented you and he was parented the way, you know? So anyway, I think it's super
1: interesting. And I also think it's interesting that he, he was doing better than his dad yeah. which he was because if you're right. saying his was we more were, extreme yeah. Yeah. but the cycle can keep yeah. continuing if you don't acknowledge yeah. you know the pain or the actual right. abuse thinking well i'm doing better so then it's fine yeah but sometimes right. you know just a little better is not quite Enough yeah, to, I'm almost imagining yeah. like,
2: unless you're working against the cycle, you're going to kind of flow with the, with the yeah. current, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, so you yeah. almost have to like mm-hmm. go against it and it, openly acknowledge it. And of course, you're still going to fall back into that current sometimes. But, but um, doing right. that work, you know, is what's going to kind of break you out of that. So that's right, yeah.
3: right. And I think what didn't help also, in know, culture is that, you know, when my dad was being abusive, we continued to stay. We continue to love him. Nothing changed. He would not talk to us for like a month, maybe. And we would continue to love him mm-hmm. and please him and beg him for love. And, you know, you know, and do that because my mom did that. Mm-hmm. So it felt like it was a normal flow. So he probably feel like, oh, I wasn't that bad. If right. they still want my love. Yeah, if they never leave, then it's it's not that bad. Right. If he doesn't feel the consequences
2: of his actions ever, then how's he supposed to even know anything's wrong? I mean, he probably knew deep down, but nothing's changing Mm -hmm. in his life. So, Which it's hard, though, as a parent. I mean, I'm sure your mom wasn't in a position to just leave, you know, if she wanted to. So it's just Mm -hmm. family
1: dynamics are so complicated. But, yeah. Right. Exactly.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it is interesting, too. I'm sure, obviously, your culture played a huge part of that when you were saying that you don't really acknowledge mental illness so much, mm. you, you need to just get over mm-hmm. it, and move on, uh, you know, Feeling company yes, with how right. he was raised and his personality mm-hmm. or, and your mom's or your, you know, all the dynamic has yeah. just played
2: into it. Yeah. All. Right.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. And not much resources too, right? Yeah. I also want to point that out. Also, is that at that time there's no social media and the things that you read on newspapers is not mental health related at all. Mm-hmm. And the magazines that you read was probably also not mental health related. So like the resources was just so limited at that time. Yeah. But also I feel like if they were presented very limited sources or here and resources here and there, I also feel like they wouldn't be as receptive as they are now because I feel like they're ready, ready now, right? But back then the
1: older generation was more closed off. Yeah, I think of my grandparents right. yep. and then the progress my mom made compared to her relationship with her dad, you know, so it is kind mm-hmm. of, there's so many variables that are part yeah. of that. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. Like you said that today, one, we have resources that are readily available, you know, with, with social mm-hmm. media, but also there's, there's less taboo talking about it. You know, there's more people mm-hmm. willing to admit like, Oh, I had anxiety. I had depression. I had trauma. I dealt with it. I have a therapist. Like it's not, so taboo. And so I think so many more people are getting help. And even we have talked about our kids in the elementary schools around here. I feel like they talk about feelings and emotional Mm -hmm. maturity and, you know, more than just like come and learn and have school and be educated, but it's more like all around, like, like healthiness, Mm -hmm. like physical, mental, you know, and as well as getting your education. So I like the focus on that more now.
3: Yeah, definitely. We need to bring that to Malaysia, though. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I love I love the shift, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate
2: that. And I was just thinking how impressive it is that you, that that was somehow on your radar, you know, that you came from this culture that was a bit closed off with all those kinds of things, and then also the family dynamic. So I'm super impressed with you that
1: you, yeah. that you you know, oh, you, you... Well, you probably started the healing journey for your whole family. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it might Long still time. be stuck yeah. that way in that, in yeah. that system. Yeah.
3: Oh my gosh, thank you for saying that because, uh, I think a month ago I was on, on the phone. So I FaceTime my mom every week or so. Mm-hmm. I, we try to like be connected still. Um, and we talk about, you know, just healing in general and how our life, lives has changed and how dad has changed too. And she actually cried and she said, thank you for doing this for us because without, without me speaking up, on the social media platform okay so it started off on the social media platform mm. because we I couldn't bring myself to talk to them oh, yeah. I just couldn't it was a lot of like hinting like mm-hmm. oh parents should be this way and stuff like that it was a starter off that yeah. way. um and that created a lot of rift right mm-hmm. like it wasn't easy for them to read about themselves or mm-hmm. for them to feel like I'm putting them on a broadcast for our right. family and friends at that time, you know, limited family and friends uh, audience right. to, to watch and to listen to. So, um, so yes, thank you for acknowledging that because my mom also said, like, thank you for doing this for us. Because if not, we would have all been still stuck mm-hmm. in that cycle and not be able to grow. Because she sees now the power of growing and the power of healing. Because at that time, it, yeah, of course, we all have to go through a difficult patch to first admit that we are wrong and second to admit that we actually hurt someone that we love in this case their child right it hurt them so much to where you, they you know i made a lot of bad choices too for myself growing up or even in my adult life you know choosing the wrong friends choosing the wrong spouses and things like that so um i love that we're we're doing the work but also involve the whole family yeah, to yeah, do that yeah. Work. and i'm sure even
2: their relationship is improved like openness and communication, yes. you know, this just like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, and just thinking about you leaving there and going to Australia and then coming here. I mean, wow, it's just yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, that's it right. is. Thank a you. Lot, yeah.
3: Thank you. It's hard, but we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing yeah. It hard work. It's pretty amazing. So <laughs> yeah,
1: that's awesome. Well, that's awesome. So maybe we could, um, just to kind of wrap up, maybe you could give some people that might be going through some trauma, some tips of where to begin their journey. Like, getting a therapist or things they can do if they can't afford that or they can't, that's not part of their life right now. Or, you know, some things that people can do to help themselves in this. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, um, recommendation for our audience. I think firstly, I think it's important to really sit down and do a reality check with yourself. Put all the shame aside. Um, because I feel like life's too short to live to live a life where you're feeling resentful all the time or you're feeling angry all the time, or maybe not all the time, but spurts of anger or spurts of resentment that is taking you away from being present and taking you away from living in um, in a beautiful state or like a, a peaceful state for yourself and for your family or for your friends too. Um, so I would say first step is definitely do a reality check-in. So go through all of your, all the aspects of your life. So for example, career, is am I happy in my career? Obviously, I think it's unrealistic to say like we have to do we have to do the stuff that we love or like we 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 work for you know we we work for our passion or things mm-hmm. like that. But it, it, I think it's unrealistic for everyone to pursue that. But if you have, good for you. But if you don't, I think it's important to explore that. Okay, is my career okay? Am I growing okay? Am I is my ROI in my career okay? And then we'll come to relationships. That, um, are my relationships okay? What are some of the areas that I could improve on? Or what are some of the areas that can be changed? Because sometimes we get into relationships and settle, right? We're not just talking about romantic relationships, but even friendships. Are they good for you? Are they good for your soul? There's the saying that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. And it's true. Like So if true you look at the five closest people in your life, do you like them or do you feel like you're, you have to wear a mask around them? So I think that is also very important to assess. Um, family, if you have your own family or if you have, you know, fam- your your you know your parents kind of the family, think about that too. And think about like, are there some aspects that you feel you can do without or you can do more of? Um, that's a reality check-in too. Um, I think a very important thing I, I've done this, you know, almost for for a long time now. But every morning, I always come up with an intention. Like, what are some of the intentions I want to set for today? Usually is, you know, I just want to make one person smile today. Or, or, you know, when it's more self-focused, I could be like, I want to feel peace today. So what kind of activities will bring me peace? or happiness or joy, right? So that can be very healing too sometimes to kind of reflect on yourself and be like, okay, what are some of the things that I can pick and choose to focus on today instead of being pulled all the different directions and feel like you're just so burned out at the end of the day. Um, so so that's kind of like some self-reflection recommendations. Yeah. Uh, recommendation. Um, externally, I think shopping for a therapist is important. Uh, don't just settle for the first therapist you see Always, always find the best fit. And I know that's difficult with one session. I would say give it two to three sessions to, to feel it, to find that vibe. But sometimes you can weed that out pretty quickly, but most of the time you have to kind of feel it out. Um, <clears throat> and find that fit. Um, it's, it's so important because your therapist will be able to guide you through what you can offer them. So a therapist cannot help you if you don't help yourself. I think that's a very cliche thing to say. But also remembering that if you don't offer the information or if you don't feel comfortable enough to offer the information, your therapist won't be able to 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 help you. Mm-hmm. So finding that fit, finding that personality fit is very important. Um, but, you know, if therapy is not in a financial budget right now, I would recommend, you know, uh, courses and things like that online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned a little bit about my trauma course. That is $499 right now. But we can offer a fifty percent discount if you reach out to me on social media. I want to give this a go to everybody who has, you know, who wants to start healing the healing journey. Either they can't find the right fit yet, or either you know, financially they're not there yet to be able to afford the uh, regular session. So
2: yeah.
3: um, the trauma course really breaks down everything for for us. So it's it's very helpful. We've gotten a lot of feedback of like it is so easy to chew that it's easy to do it by yourself and and be able to grow and heal on that aspect as well. Obviously, therapy is the best, but yeah. if that's not an option right now, that can be a second option.
2: Yeah, that's amazing, 50% yeah. off that. Is, so is it multiple um, parts to the course, or how how is
3: it structured? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's structured to 13 modules. So oh, wow. it starts on from a very basic you know, trauma work. So the first module is identifying your feelings, really, because I think we all have to start there, right? Yeah. Sometimes we don't even know our feelings. So um, so we, we identify with that, identify the trauma, the the specific root of your trauma, and then go go from there. So healing, and then it was going talk about communication, it talks about safe place, it talks about um, window tolerance, so many, so many on there. It also talks about losing your friends and family from that too because sometimes when you heal people do not like the healed version of you because maybe people like to take advantage of the unhealed version of you so when you no longer tolerate bullshit or bs people don't like that you know and people would drop you as a friend so they you know we, we also go through some grieving process in trauma work also. So we talk about that too. Wow. Yeah. That's
2: great. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, good. Well, we
1: know you've yeah. got to run. So, Oh yeah. Um, so you have
3: a we,
2: session. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time yes. and you got to go help no heal people. You. Right. So. I know.
1: <laughs> You're amazing. <work. laughs> yes, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you. just to wrap up, how do you find beauty in life after going through, you know, transitions mm-hmm. that you've been through?
3: Yeah, after going through all of that, and I'm still going through it. I'm mm-hmm. still not done, right? I'm still on that journey. But after going through so much trauma, I feel like I find beauty in just being present. Um, the, other simple things, too, like walk, you know, going on a walk with my daughter. And right now, is such a cute age because everything's exciting for her, right? Mm-hmm. So only last week, she used the binoculars to find oh. roly pulleys on the ground. Oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. You know what? it's so joyful to be able to share that moment with her. And so, yeah, I find beauty in such small moments like that and with the right people. Um, now, I I just don't have the energy to, you know, to talk to or to hang out with people who just don't bring me that peace or bring me that joy in life anymore. Um, so I stopped wasting time p- trying to please other people. I'm still not there yet, but I try to, right? Mm-hmm. Making my best effort to, like, find surrounding myself with good people i think that is so beautiful and can impact your life in such a big way so yeah. long story short i think just finding beauty in the simplest thing and being present with the right people in my life
2: yeah, yeah. i love, love that I love that's that. perfect
1: okay well awesome. maybe we'll let
2: Thank you go you.
3: and
1: then we'll stay on okay. and just tell um our audience where they can reach you and yeah. how to find you on social media okay and, yes um, awesome so, yes. Yeah. So thank you. So thank much. you so much. Yeah. Thank you. We love yeah, talking thank with you, so you. Much yeah.
3: for the opportunity. Yep. Okay. Thanks. okay awesome. thanks. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Shinto.
1: Okay. So yeah, we thank Cindy for taking her time. She's yes. busy with her clients and, um, she had to run. So we're just going to let you know where you can find her.
2: Yeah. So on her Instagram, it's Cindy M Chia. And yeah, she, I, like I said before, she has just a lot of great content. Um, and then there you can link over to her aspire psychology, Utah, which is the clinic that she founded. And she's also official member of Forbes councils, which I think is really cool. And she's done. I felt like so privileged that we got to have her on because oh, a couple of, yeah. yeah, I was like, with this state work, Well, actually, I have a new, a TV interview that day. Right. Well, with this state work, I have another TV interview. I'm like, wow, yeah. we're really lucky. She came on yeah, our so podcast. We want to thank her for taking yes. the time because she, yes. yeah, she's
1: been on like. What, like NBC yeah. and here in Utah and KSL. Yes. Um it says
2: ABC and Fox, NBC. Yeah. So yeah. she's anyway. I think she's like a real up and coming therapist around here and even yeah. just like nationally she's obviously. And I think it's so cool cuz she was so down to earth mm-hmm. but also like she's like, wise. Yeah, obviously. very wise, yeah, and has a lot of interesting life experiences yeah. I think we can learn from. So yeah. I loved,
1: yeah, yeah, her education background, her her cultural background yes. and all of her um, just life experiences. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening today. Yes, thanks. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation, and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and follow it along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram it's at Beautiful Shifts well. Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews.
2: We'd like to thank the band We the Lion before. for giving us permission to use their beautiful song "Move Along" for our podcast. Afraid. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy
0: I find a way to know myself all my thoughts and mind again
3: and begin to understand where to go.
0: Now it's time to move along. Now it's time Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones
3: All I want is to believe
0: Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, the mind is free Can feel the truth in me. I'll take a chance. I won't be wrong. Now it's time to move along. Now it's.